Malia dedicates this podcast to everyone who could never get enough of talking about Breaking Bad and to Denise, who always asked her about Breaking Bad, even though she didn't watch. Because she said, it's fun to see you light up when you talk about it. Ozymandias is the pinnacle, and she'd also like to thank you and I for keeping the conversation going. No, no. Thank you, Malia. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And I intentionally slowed myself down there because I've been realizing that I just keep getting faster and faster with that intro, and nobody can tell what I'm saying. Oh, well, that's always a bad thing when you can't tell what the host <laughs> of a podcast is saying. Yeah, yeah I feel <laughs> a little bit too much like uh, Chuck Woolery or somebody when I'm doing it. Back in so. two, two and two. <laughs> sure. Uh, so this week we're talking about season five. Episode 14, entitled Ozymandias, which is kind of the episode that I think we've all been waiting for, right? I mean, everything kind of breaks bad, no pun intended, for Walt here. I would say that this is... Man, there's been a lot of really strong episodes this season, but I think this is the best one. I would agree with you. And thus, it gets a perfect 10 for 10 on the Aaron scale. Absolutely. 10 out of 10 on this episode. I did not see a single problem with it. I uh, I was worried in retrospect that I would have a problem with, you know, the uncle's generosity and whatnot. But honestly, <sighs> we'll talk about that when we get to it. It's yeah. I, I mean, I don't it, want to it that, that's that's that. Yeah, that that it cannot take away. Even if there is a problem there, it just can't take away from the overall perfection. I okay. mean, this thing, like I said, on instant cast, it killed Hank. In like the first what ten minutes, uh-huh. it was so action packed. It pushed the fucking credit sequence to the middle of the show. I, two commercial breaks before we got, credits. which I've never seen before. Yeah, it had a, a white on white knife fight. It had a child abduction. Uh huh. It. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, it says something when the death of a main character is one of the least exciting things to happen in an episode. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, and a beloved character. I mean, this is not some guy we didn't care about. Yeah, I mean... This it, is probably one of my favorite characters from the entire series. It wasn't a non-event. It just didn't stop the... Pa- I mean... Yeah. It physically hurt to see him and Gomi just tossed into a hole. Yeah. <laughs> It did. it did, you know, without any kind of fanfare, it's it it's yeah. it's brutal, and the show just kept rolling. Absolutely. So tens from both of us. We will, I'm sure, talk a lot more about that particular scene uh, and many more scenes. But before we get into the recap, you have something you want to talk about, right? A um, couple things. A correction from last week. We heard from a lot of people, but as always, I give the first one credit. Stephen P said, "You guys said we didn't know if the uncles knew about Brock and Andrea." Obviously, after this week. We did, but he reminded us that we did see it on screen when Walt was leaving Andrew's house. We see two of the uncles are parked right there, staking out the house when Jesse returns. That's number one. Number two, I want to remind everybody that we are making an appearance at the Walker Stalker Con in Atlanta, Georgia, November 1st through 3rd. That's walkerstalkercon.com. If you want to check out, register for the uh, events. Uh, to attend the convention, we're going to be doing uh, hosting at least one panel and be doing one meet and greet after one of the days, which I'm, I'm hoping we have that firmed up here pretty soon. But if you're in the Atlanta, Georgia area, 
we would love to meet with you. Uh, if you're a zombie fan, fan of The Walking Dead, uh, check it out. It's really cool. We're excited about it. Definitely. That's it? That's it. Okay, let's get into the recap. Uh, we start off this episode with, predictably, I think I might have actually predicted this, is a flashback. Right. We, we didn't we, jump right back into the middle of that gunfight, which I was glad for. Yeah. You kind of needed that, that respite a little bit. Yeah, we both predicted that, you know, usually when you have a massive cl- uh, cliffhanger, Breaking Bad does a tease of a cold open. Yes. And this was especially really great thematically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the phone call with Walt and Skyler here, mm-hmm. uh, the symbol symbolism of Walt's first lie. Uh-huh. That he probably told Skyler um, the fact that they had this really cool inset shot of her hand reaching for the knife block and hesitating and then uh, picking up the phone when she was talking to Walt, mm-hmm. which is mirrored. mirrored. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So awesomely later on. Uh, just a really great scene. And this was all original footage. There was nothing reused from the pilot. You could tell too. You could Jesse tell. Had Jesse had a little more weight on him. Jesse's a little, Walt's little looking older, little puffier. I thought Walt was very credible. In fact, the only thing I could tell difference was his mustache. He was, I guess, wearing a wig. It looked like a, a an okay wig. An okay me. wig. Really, I yeah. thought it looked good in, oh, okay. in in high def. But no, I was just super impressed with uh, the how skillful the makeup and costume department was with this and you get high def amc now yes I, it's about time. ever okay, since i moved good. to cincinnati <laughs> all right i get shittier <laughs> shittier internet and much better tv so i guess it's, a, it's a trade-off yeah yeah um but yeah no i i just thought it was a great way to start um you know and that's what's funny is that we kind of see a different side of skyler you know i always think of well, season we, one yeah. skyler as being this you know well we've talked about Ad sure. nauseum. But, you know, Walt rehearsed this elaborate lie and didn't even need it. She's yeah. just like, okay, honey, whatever. You know, it'd be cool if you brought a pizza home. And, you know, I was really sick at my stomach when they started talking about Holly a lot. <laughs> I'm like, shit. Oh, no. Uh, I think we might have mentioned this in the instant take, but when they were battling with that knife, I was worried it was going to end up in Holly. No, and then when when <laughs> Walt was pulling away and he hadn't put her in a car seat yet and was just kind of bouncing her in that shitty old pickup, oh, I was thinking on. they yep. wouldn't do that. Oh, you wouldn't have a, 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 a end an episode with him wrecking? No, no. I mean, and baby, oh, that'd be going too, oh, that'd be out too, the window. That'd be too dark for no. Uh, I Red. didn't say that. It would be too ridiculous. <laughs> That's the way Holly goes out with a car wreck. It's not anything Walt actually does. It's just random. What? That would be crazy. Uh, my brain literally just melted a fuse. All right. How would him b- taking off in a fucking panic with his child and not in a car seat in a rickety old pickup nah. van not be his direct nah. action? No, nah. I wouldn't buy it. Not for a second. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the slow fade out? What was? What do you think they're trying to get out with the slow fade out and then the fade in of the immediate action for, well, I, for next week? I thought, honestly, that it was... Um, kind of how much things have changed and yet how much they've stayed the same. Um, because, like, th- there's also another shot where uh, they, they're they looking up at this, I don't know what you call it, a mesa, whatever, this really tall rock structure. Okay. And the sky is flying by, but the mm-hmm. rock structure is just there. Yeah. And it's unmoving. Um, and I think that, that indicates, you know, how much of this is is going by Walt and like Walt is kind of 
he has changed so much, but in some ways he's just become more of the person that he was before, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Um, as far as like the, the stuff being pulled out, I thought it was an interesting art direction. I didn't really pick up too much meaning from it. I'm sure it's there though. Hmm. Uh, I, I did like how this scene really sets up the kind of relationship, the, the loving, concerned Walt uh, versus who we have now, especially considering his family is about to fall apart. Right. Uh, that's what I really liked about this scene. Yeah, it's a nice reminder of what Walt used to be. And yeah. by the end of the episode, maybe we're getting a return of that Walt. I mean, he can never go back. He can never tone for things he's done. Yeah. And we're not going to get... I mean, I got a considerable amount of, why are you guys hating on Walt? Which I would engage with, except for we talked for like He's 30, an asshole. We talked about like 30 <laughs> minutes on the last podcast, or two podcasts ago, about that very topic. Yeah. Look, people can be fans of Walter White. It's cool. Like, I ain't hating anybody, and you sh- shouldn't probably be registered on any kind of national database, but... <laughs> You know, also that's the thing. It's like, I, you know, I kind of broke faith with him when he started hurting innocent people to achieve his ends. Sure. So, and now that he's wrapped his family up in this and they're being killed and harmed in other ways. Yeah. It just, you're getting on a small, I mean, it's, it's, it must be lonely out on that Island because it shrank to the size of a postage stamp. I think halfway through this season or halfway through this episode of my, uh, Oh, Facebook absolutely. thread was was uh, any. There's a lot of long term uh, Walt lovers that finally, finally, <laughs> two episodes till the end uh, turned on him. Even just okay, we'll get to it. We'll get to all that. Uh, we go back to the shootout, like you said. Everything fades. Uh, Walt and Jesse and the RV fade out, and the gunfight fades back in. Uh, we predicted it, man. I called it last episode. Gomez got hit for mm-hmm. sure. He's dead on the floor. Yep. Uh, Hank's hitting the leg, and the Nazis move in. Uh, and and Walt tries to save Hank by telling Jack about the money and reasoning with him, but they kill him anyway. Then they dig up the money. Um, should we talk about the entire scene here? Because it's yes. like a commercial break. Okay, so then they dig up the money. Um, Walt tells them where Jesse is. Oh, and oh I'm of- sorry. I thought no. Okay, let's 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 stop there because we already okay. have too much to talk about. All right, sure. Um. I thought that Hank going for the shotgun was a nice mirror of him successfully going for Mm -hmm. the last-ditch weapon in the one-minute episode. It was was even the one bullet, bullet, right? There was the one shell sitting right next to the shotgun that he was going to try to stick in that shotgun, I imagine. I guess so. Or it was a spent cartridge. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it could be... I'd have to watch the episode, and even then, it still might not be able to tell. But yeah, I I, I thought that that was... You know, and, and he came up aces... The one time, and then he got shut yeah. down on this one. So that kind of that that was an interesting callback. I also did. You think Uncle Jack was a little Hank like in his mannerisms? Like when he came up and stepped on the gun, he's like, "Whoa, cool!" Or like, <laughs> "Calm down, there, Sparky," or whatever. Uh, maybe old Hank. New Hank is not that. Uh, no, you forget. Not when he, like that. No, the way he talked to Pinkman and stuff. No, that that Hank is still uh, alive and no, well. No, that Hank has been beaten out of him a long time ago. <laughs> I don't think so. Man, he changed so much after he was hospitalized, paralyzed for a while. I agree, but again, I feel like we've seen evidence of old Hank this, okay. this season. He might be coming back. Well, he was coming back. Um, it was painful. I mean, we talked last week that we hoped that Walt was smart about how he 
oh. you know, played the money card to yeah. get out of the situation. And I don't think there was any way for Hank to walk out of this. Hank knew it. And and Hank, Hank knew that, it. but but Walt did a, a poor poor job of trying to beg for either of their lives, honestly. And and had it not be for Todd, I don't even know if Walt would have been walking out of that desert. Yeah. I think that uh old Uncle it would have gone the will, other way. Will live to rue the day that he gave him eleven million dollars and a reason to kill him later. Yeah, so you think? I, I mean, it seems fairly obvious now to me that uh, Walt coming back with that assault rifle is him coming back to somehow harm the Nazis. Whether that's to save Jesse if he even knows about him, or if that's to uh, go in there and kill Jesse as well. Who knows? I yeah. think he's going after the Nazis with that uh, gun. We have a couple of good takes. I mean, I, honestly. As as you get closer and closer in the season and the possibilities narrow, we get more and more of the same kind of predictions. So I, yeah. I'm looking for ones that take those predictions and and start to fill in a detail that make it make sense or have an interesting twist on it. So we got a couple more um, that that we can read in the feedback section. Um, uh, what do you think? I I totally support. Vince's decision to give the stealth the the the, the annual stealth f bomb to Agent Asac Schrader actually yep. uh, that felt really right. It it would have felt right had it not been fucking bleeped. Well, you're never going to not get a bleeped on AMC. Ridiculous. I well, mean, I'll have to go to the DVD set, the Blu-ray set to. I agree. It is it, it is it is ridiculous in a show. That has this much blood, death, and corruption yeah. that you can't say the word fuck. But that's that's America for it. That's that's our country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sweet land of puritanity. <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, perfect spot for it, right? He he goes out how Hank would go out. He goes out with yeah. dignity. Like, what do you want me to do, beg? Dies like a man. And that's what. So what do you think? Have we we've seen it? I've seen this three times now. What do you think of, in the final analysis, was Hank's opinion of his brother-in-law before he died? That had it softened oh. at all? Had he, fa- had he f- found it in his heart to pity the man? I <laughs> Did he appreciate what he was trying to do at all, uh, as misguided think, as it was? I certainly think he understood what he was trying to do, and on some level he probably... <sighs> was a slight bit appreciative, but it did not outweigh the anger uh, toward Walt, the hatred that he felt at that point, and especially when he's laying there in the desert knowing he's about to die and that Walt was the cause of it. I mean, there there's no way that goes away just because Walt tries to save him at the end. So you think, similar to Mike, where Mike was just as disgusted and perturbed as <laughs> Walter White in death as he was in life. You think Hank took that hatred of Walt to the grave? Uh, to to a large degree. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like I saw a softening, like a realization that Walt mm. was just uh, in, 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 in the cog in the machine, just like Hank was. But he's the main cog. He's the one driving it all. Not anymore. That's the thing. I think that's what sure, Hank realized. Not anymore, but he started the whole thing. I agree. He, he put the key in the machine and turned it on. Uh that's yes, yes. I, that is absolutely true. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like 
I think it's a Luke right. Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker situation. That Hank saw still a little bit of flash <laughs> of the good left in him. Yes, I, I could think be totally you're right wrong. about that. I think he his mind certainly changed at least a little bit there at the end. But I don't think he would have sat down and had a beer with the guy after. No, no, obviously not. I'm just saying it wasn't as as you know barely spit words out at him as and maybe it's just the inevitability of death. Death kind of sobered him up and and killed his uh, uh, mm. single minded devotion to justice just a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I thought that there was definitely I thought the great Dean uh, Norris put in a little bit of uh, the softer side of Hank into that that moment. And yeah, yeah, you're right. Who knew that? God, I was. It's funny because you didn't come with me, but I went to see the riff tracks of. Uh, Oh, what's that crazy ass bug hunt Space, movie? Space uh, Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers. Yeah. Hank plays a like military dude in here, like a high ranking colonel or whatever. Uh, with the uh, and he did a shitty job acting, <laughs> really <laughs> shitty job. Like one note, forgettable. I would never have recognized his face had I not been watching for five years. Who yeah. knew this guy was capable of this kind of shit? Uh, right, the face off with Walt in the garage. It's the all shit about heard the around the world. The his breakdown and his panic attack. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's it's. Um, I don't even know that he knew that he was capable of this stuff until he may not someone have. handed it to him. Yeah, I, it's really about the material. Starship Troopers is a fucking terrible movie. It's got cult status, and I enjoy watching it from time to time. But for what it's it is, bad. Yeah, it's bad, man. Right. And the stuff that you're given, uh, the script that you have to work with. It plays a big part in your performance, I think. So here you have some of the best writing uh, I've ever seen on television. Yeah. Of course he's going to do better. At least I would hope so. Right. Uh, so Hank is killed. He's shot in the head. And Walt falls over uh, down to the ground. You want to talk a little bit about this? Yeah. So that's the first of two or three direct references to Ozymandias. Um, you know, the poem talks about the shattered visage lying half buried in the desert sands and mm-hmm. you know you describe walt as many things but shattered was definitely something uh, they actually <laughs> had an elaborate prop that they made so that when his face hit the ground that the the ground would crack underneath it as if mm-hmm. it had like extra more weight than it really did um and it was just you know a a, a great nod to that in fact this whole episode being called Ozymandias and and keeping in mind the the poem, um, I don't know. It just felt it just it, it felt perfect. It felt like this was Heisenberg finally toppled. We've yeah. seen hints of it, the facade cracking and the uncle's anarchy um, gaining the upper hand. But this is definitively he was powerless to do the one thing that he set out to do, which was keep his family safe and provide for his family. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and that's and that's the bridge too far that unravels him throughout this whole episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, let's move into the next scene. They Well, the next half of the scene, I guess. They finish digging up the money. Uh, Walt tells them... So, Walt, having fallen on his side, which I love that this is not just the reference to Ozymandias here, but it serves a purpose. He falls over on his side. He sees Jesse under that car. Yeah, uh, and he tells them it's where also he is, a and nod, they drag him out. It's also a nod to uh, you know because we talked about all the parallels he's had to Gus Fring. Uh-huh. This is an almost exact shot for shot remake of Gus's reaction to um, his brother 
<laughs> his hermano being shot in Don Eladio's pool. Yeah, why can't I remember his name? Oh no. Yeah, I don't. I, it's, I, it's only been two seasons. It's man. the other. It's the other <laughs> chicken brother, man. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I yeah, just don't remember his name. All right. right. Uh, yeah. No. Exactly. Um, so they drag Jesse out. They they're gonna kill him, but uh, Todd says, "Hey, we should take him back to find out what he told the DEA before we kill him." And uh, before Walt leaves, and before Jesse's taken away, he tells Jesse they watched Jane die. And this was unexpected in the best way possible. This, this, I, I expected him to tell Jane or tell Jesse about Jane in a confessional sort of way, like feeling remorseful and sorry about it. But instead, he uses it to hurt Jesse. He he uses it as a weapon. His his, and he does it because I think he f- he wants to blame Jesse for everything that's gone on. He can't take responsibility for Hank's death uh, on himself, and so he blames Jesse. In the moment of anger, he tells him just to hurt him. No, absolutely. And again, I too was uh, a lot of people said I don't think Jane will be a factor. I think I went on record to say I'd personally be a little disappointed if they don't touch on it. Yeah, you did. This is way better than I imagined. <laughs> I mean, in that moment, it was about as vicious and brutal a thing that Walt could do. I mean, he just, it's just a total ownage. Not only did he just mm-hmm. effectively sell Jesse's life, he then sold him into torture and eventual, uh, you know, slavery and then gave him the eye watch Jane die as the shine on. Yeah. Just to make sure he was destroyed. Yeah. It was, re- it's one, the first of many scenes was just very tough to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, this. By the way, Gus's uh, brother, uh, or close business associate is Max. Ah, yes. Max. Um,. What else do we want to say about this scene? Anything else? I mean, uh, it John was Q pointed out that because we asked, like, why the hell would the uncle have a soft spot for Walt? He, John Q pointed out that Todd actually is probably asked him directly to spare a barrel for, for Walt. Because... Yeah, so it is super subtle. Uh, but there is a very quick cut immediately. Uh, immediately at the starting of a cut, um, Jack, like, pats Todd on the face. See Todd like they kind of just like, got done with the conversation and he's granting him a favor. Yeah. And then he calls for a barrel of money yeah. to be taken off the truck. And then it makes kind of explicit when he says, hey, you know, my my nephew's got a soft spot for you and he's clearly got a lot of affection for, yeah. for Todd. So that, again, it's dumb. <laughs> uh, I mean, in, in literal to not like storytelling thematically, just like sure. it's obviously dumb of Uncle Jack to do this, but um, I believe that his weakness of family, it's kind of interesting thematically now that we see that it was, in fact, Todd and, mm-hmm. um, you know, directly appealing to him in that moment that it was this weakness for family uh, that is kind of his undoing, um, just what, the same as it is for Walt. What do you think it is about Walt? that makes the people he takes under his wing feel so loyal to him because Jesse was loyal to this guy for a very long time. And now we see the same thing coming from Todd, having worked with him for only a short period of time. Is it the teacher in him? Is it, I don't know, man. I mean, nurturing nature. (laughs) I think really intelligent people like Walt who have that kind of spirit of a teacher 
have a way of making people want to not disappoint them. And, you know, it's like you get this, if you hang out with people smarter than yourself and they throw you a bone once in a while, acknowledging your own small cleverness, it gives you a huge ego boost. (laughs) And it's like, you know, validation. Like I know this guy is like super fucking smart, like, you know, and smart in a way that I can appreciate because I'm a criminal too. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's also, I think he's got this basic civility that makes a guy like Todd, like, you know, it makes him feel better about himself. Like, Hey, I'm a psychopath. Mr. Yeah. White's got a family and he's been a chemistry teacher and he's a decent dude. I'm sure that's what's running through Todd's head. Hey, I'm a psychopath. Well, I mean, you'd have to not be <laughs> meth Damon to full, you know, meth Damon to fully process this. But I, I yeah. think that there is the psychology, same reason why Jesse yeah, you know, it's like there's this like this fatherly way about him that that gets to your like evolutionarily hardwired desire to not disappoint your dad. Okay, so he's the father here. Yeah, and Todd and Jesse are both his misguided children. I'm trying to set straight. <laughs> yes. All right. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Walt heads back to civilization, but he quickly runs out of gas. He's meth Damien. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, he grabs the barrel of money out of his car and rolls it through the desert, uh, through a desert montage, actually, which was interesting. Uh, reminded me a lot of the Big Lebowski, actually, mm-hmm. like with the music and the scenery and everything. Uh, he rolls it to a house where he buys a truck from an old dude. Um, and the the, the the lyrics to this song were so good. Times yeah. are getting hard. Money's getting scarce. You know, time to take my. Oh, baby. We got eleven million now. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, time to time to take my baby by the hand and find a different place. Like that lyric connecting Walt's money mm-hmm. with his baby, the thing he cares most about. I thought and him was about really to leave. Smart. He's got to get out of that place. And there's you also, know? you know, Vince Gilligan thought it was a, a dung beetle reference, which is funny too. But I also thought it was very Sisyphean. You know, this person, like, you know, this cursed, his unending task of rolling something up. I mean, that's been Walt's money. Every time he gets the mo- amount of money that he feels comfortable <laughs> with. And that's changed from season to season to season. Oh, yeah. It's Every time he gets bigger, his hands around, bigger. it's knocked down, and he has to go chase it again. Yep. And this was, like, the perfect visual to represent that Greek tragic aspect of it, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Pushing um, that barrel down to the cow house. <laughs> the cow house. <laughs> Calling that old man a cow. Uh, I really like at the beginning of the scene when he's about to drive off how he turns the mirror away from him. Like, he can't even stand to look at himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows deep down. He's unwilling to to acknowledge it at this point, really. But he knows deep down that he's caused all this. And it's it's disgusting him. You know? <laughs> There's a couple funny takes on Facebook. First of all, Laura McPhee, or McPee and Elise Cantor were some of my inspirations for the lyrics and the Sisyphus stuff but uh steve mf mfer uh had to quote roll me further bitch barrel of money <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny speaking of mfers i'm taking credit from all you mfers about walt's pants in the desert because i saw this shit on the first playthrough i did too i, I posted right. on fa- the facebook thread so okay. it was a i posted on twitter that's i, I saw that good i got a I record of it i um <laughs> i I thought that was the second of the Ozzy uh, references. <laughs> okay, because there's a line in the poem about two vast leg, uh, two vast trunkless legs. legless trunks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based, so it's like, 
you know, half buried in the sand. And then mm-hmm. there he's pushing past these legless, these trunkless legs. But it's also such an incredible callback. I don't. Yeah. I, in fact, I didn't so believe the first time I saw it. it. I'm like, I gotta, I, I had to instantly I go and watch the first scene of <laughs> on Netflix because I'm like, if that those pants have a belt, because I remember it floating they do down, have a belt. yeah, it's floating down like a parachute. I'm like, would pants with a belt do that? And I'm like, if this, if if, if this has. <laughs> So that's a belt, the thing. Then it's the thing, and they totally had a belt. Yeah, that's the thing. This is the pair of pants that he was wearing in the pilot when he did his first cook, yes. and he had to drive off um, because he had just killed Emilio and uh, Crazy Eight. Crazy Eight. Mm-hmm. And his pants flew off the RV. They're still in the desert because mm-hmm. this is the same road he drove down because it's the same cook site. Gaze so. on his trousers, you mighty, <laughs> and the spare. <laughs> All right, uh, Jesse. Jesse despaired at seeing his tidy whities. Yeah, he did. Oof. Uh, so Marie then goes to the car wash to tell Skylar that Hank has Walt in custody. Uh, she's a little mistaken about that, but doesn't know it yet. She demands that Skylar tells Walt Jr. what they've been up to and that she hand over every copy of the confession tape that they made. A lot of people had a lot of people had problems with Skylar rolling so easy on Marie. Your take on that? Why is that? Just because she had no proof, really? Exactly. Okay. Like, what if this has just been a, a trick of yeah, uh, her and, and Hanks? Sure. Um, I, I can get on board with that. You know, I mean, she had been, uh, she had been willing to go to the lengths of making this confession tape. She would probably think twice about just rolling at that point. But on the other hand, she had been. She saw. Walt's reaction on hightailing it from the car wash. Uh-huh. She had seen that Saul was there. She knew that Jesse was somehow in play. Um, she hadn't been able to get a hold of Walt. They've been on and, the and run it's, at this it's point. It's not like Remember? Skyler has been a rock about this. I mean, she's been very deeply conflicted the whole time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she broke bad pretty hard two or three episodes ago. But still, <laughs> you know... I, I think it would be hard for the average person to withstand that kind of, of pressure. It's not easy. Yeah. And Marie plays a lot of cards here. You know, she plays the guilt card. Uh, you're my sister or whatever. Um, she she plays it pretty hard. She leans on that. Yeah. And the fact that, honestly, I thought that I liked Marie in this. I yeah. thought that that was very big of her to, uh, in, in a way that, I don't know, I guess I don't... I got a weird relationship with family, but it was very touching for me for all the shit that Skylar's put her family through behind her back. And I know she's got, uh, you know, she's not perfect herself and she's a klepto and she's also been kind of bitchy with Skylar, but for her to hand out that olive branch and, you know, be concerned with, uh, and rightly so that Walt Jr. Find out about this from her mom and from people that care about him mm-hmm. and not from uniformed officers, I mean, there's no good way to tell him, but there's also no way to keep it in denial one way or another. Yeah, she's offering Skylar control over this situation, which is exactly what Walt does not have at this point. Um, So so I I like that, honestly. Um, But it was awful. You know, just I can't even imagine being a mom and having to drop that kind of bomb on your child. Yeah, yeah. There's no way, (laughs) you know, if you'd have done this, you know, six months ago. It would have been a total, but there's no way you can hide your complicity in this situation at this point. Yeah, you've been hiding this from me for a year. I mean, we'll get to it. Walt and Jr. reacts Walt does a way very good job of uh, calling bullshit on that. For sure. All right, so before we get there, uh, we head back to the Nazi uh, HQ, 
Jesse has been badly beaten. Uh, Todd takes him out of his cell, brings him into the lab, and then chains him up to be their captive meth cook. Yeah, this is some Heart of Darkness shit, man. This was hard to watch. Yeah. I mean, in an episode chock full of scenes that are hard to watch, uh, maybe we should rank the hardest scenes to watch. I think this might come in at number two for me. Okay. Uh, Just over um, Walt condemning Jesse to death and telling him about Jane and just over uh, Hank being killed. I don't know. Um, the knife fight between the whites, the white fight, white knife fight. Yeah, that's number is, one. For is, me. Okay, good. I, I thought you were. No, this is number two. So okay, um, pretty bad. And I feel like that Vince in this season is making up for the fact that he's basically glamorized the life of a drug dealer for five years. Oh yeah, that like he made like cooking meth look beautiful, man, and <laughs> elegant and intellectual, crystal blue persuasion, and cool mm-hmm. and just freak fucking awesome. And now he's showing you the dark side. He's showing you the dingy, shitty places like. And for season one, where we we the stuff gets cooked, it's got Jesse being slave. It's got the you, you really see the amoral behavior. Yeah, like not all drug. I mean, you know, I, the, the anti Walt white haters do have a point in that Walt, as far as drug dealers go, pretty stand up guy. Um, okay. comparison to you know, in comparison to neo Nazis and and you know, insane hillbillies that pressure cook this shit out in the woods but but yeah i mean it's just brutal well the beauty of it is he is showing it to us in a way that is almost actually no in a way that i have never seen on television Uh uh-huh ever i mean this is the stuff that is reserved for film of the highest caliber yeah. And he's displaying it here on cable. Horrifying, yeah. Like, it is incredible what I, and, he's doing here. And the fact that there's a picture of Brock and Andrew just remind you that, hey, oh. if you decide to get cute or, you know, decide that you've had enough and you're going to just accept death, it ain't going to stop with you, pal. Yeah. you got a line, and these people are, are going to be hurt, too. Yeah, it's intense. And now uh, we had this couple people write in, and there was an article on e- Inter- Entertainment Weekly called it the Ten Things That You Might Have Missed About Breaking Bad. And they, they're going to talk about a lot of things we already touched on. Um, but they mentioned that the Jesse's facial beatings and the lighting from behind made him look a lot like the Skeletor version of Gus from the season finale of uh, season four. <laughs> okay, I didn't see his skull. No, but I mean, it actually, if you look at the two side by side, the way they lit him in the face, his eye socket is dark and that side of his face is all red and swollen and, and abraded, you know, did they give any kind of meaning behind that or just, hell no, it's just like, look at this cool shot. But I was trying to think of what could it mean? Sometimes all you need is look at this cool shot, you know? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) there are a lot of cool shots in this that I just appreciate for the shot itself. And we're actually coming up to one at the house, but right on talk, talk about that in a minute. Uh, you want to move on? Yeah. Okay. So Skylar and Marie, we jump in here with Walt Jr. and they've just broken the news to him. Uh, he is livid uh, about basically about Skylar uh, lying to him for the year that he, she has been. Uh, Marie tells Skylar to take the kids home and that she'll stop by later. I thought I thought RJ did a really good job here too. Oh hell like, yeah! This felt. Not overly dramatic. It just felt uh-huh. real. Like what a teenage boy he was more. He was as angry as anything. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that drive home is is exactly what a teenager would do. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's angry and he's trying to take it out on Skyler in any way possible, which is just to be defiant and not put his seatbelt on. Right. But even that little gesture tells you so much about what he's feeling. Right. He just doesn't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, <laughs> you've got to be shitting me, I think yeah. is what he says. Yeah. It, and it's perfect. Uh, yeah. The AMC must have, because I've, I've heard, uh, I think a listener might have copied me on an article where they kind of give the reasoning between the, um, like basic cables. They, cause they self-police. There's no... The federal government has no jurisdiction over what they do, um, but they kind of self-police themselves. And I guess AMC's policy is you're allowed two shits per episode <laughs> okay. and one fuck per season. A fuck per season. So huh? they give up. They give a fuck once a season, and they can give two shits an episode. Uh, I feel like <laughs> that they must have special dispensation because Walter Jun- Walt Junior must have dropped at least four shits. <laughs> And in between the this is bullshit and that's bullshit and I don't know, maybe it was just this is bullshit and you're shitting me, but it seemed like there was a lot of shitting going on in this scene. (laughs) Yep. Uh, I I don't know. I didn't pay attention to how many shits were dropped. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, speaking of that drive home, we we now get the drive home uh, scene where Walt is just packing everything in the house. He's... He's gone crazy. He's grabbing everything he can. It's fun. This it's was the important. scene. This was the scene that they, we alluded to in the spoiler section last week and a couple uh, weeks ago, where there is uh, something on CBS.com interviewed Brian Cranston, where they showed them filming this on set, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were like, "Oh, it's the uncle's the anarchy truck, so they must be." Well, we now found that he's just some uh, old Navajo dude that made good, made ten grand off his shitter truck. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but yeah, that that's interesting. All right, I don't know why. Uh, anyway, so the the White family gets home. Uh, the rest of the family gets home when when they get there. Junior wants to know what's going on. Skyler wants to know what's going on, especially what happened to Hank. And Walt tries to just divert their attention to packing stuff and, and getting the hell him. out of there. Trust him. Yeah, tr- oh, trust me. Sure, and, I laughed out loud when he said that. Uh huh. Yeah. Ridiculous, uh, and that results in a fight during which Walt gets sliced open uh, on his hand by Skyler, and he runs out the door with Holly. Skyler chases after him, but can't catch him. Okay, there's a ton of stuff going on here. Let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I guess we can talk about. Well, let's talk about the pivotal moments of the thing. Okay, so because things were, you know, Jun- Junior was doing his thing, and Skyler yeah. was kind of like trying to s- decide which side she's going to come. When she started her, you know, D'Angelo Barksdale impersonation and being like, you know, uh, where's Hank at? Where's the boy? (laughs) And Walt did a stringer routine of just kind of, you know, ignoring her. And she gets more and more hysterical about where is Hank? Where is Hank? Yeah. And then he finally blurted out, I tried to save him. Uh Uh-huh. That's when I think Walt Jr. finally turns against his dad. Yep. Skyler turns against him. So... Then we have an escalation where she goes for the knife, and it was a callback of the the shot of that knife block that we saw in the flashback. Yep, and uh, the phone right next to it that she picked up the first time. He slashes her, and they did this interesting little uh, camera trick, which uh, Ryan Johnson, who directed it, is known for. I mean, he did the Fly episode. He's known for a lot of you know visual flourish. Uh-huh. Um, 
but he did his weird camera trick where the sound kind of dropped out and then yeah. we froze on Walt's hand and then everything sped up and the sound kind of like got like hypersaturated and uh-huh. there's this mad dash rolling on the ground for the knife. I, my stomach is in knots because I thought, <laughs> you know, I kept on thinking that bogus spoiler we got last year where, you know, Walt accidentally stabbed Skyler and it's like, your fault, not mine. I'm thinking, oh shit, is she going to get stabbed? Is Walt Jr. going to get stabbed? Holly's in the background screaming like you. Is she going to get stabbed? The <laughs> fuck is going to happen? Yeah, this was this was so intense. Uh, just waiting for the other for the other foot to drop, you know, like where is this going? And I'm glad it didn't go anywhere other than them calling the police uh, and Walt Jr. having to jump in and break it up. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, Walt got the knife away from Skyler. Yeah. Then Walt Jr. tackled him as a way to get him separated from his mom, defended his mom with his body, which was pretty badass. Oh, yeah. Decided to do what his mom should have done and called the police and report his dad as a violent criminal. Yeah. Which is, you know, he kind of stretched the truth to do so, but what the hell, you know. <laughs> Um, no, I think he was justified there. Yeah, and, uh, and then Walt, like, what the you know, and this poor John Ham is fucked. No, everybody is fucked. There are no Emmys going to any other television because the thing shows is, it's like you can't put John Ham in a monotone sitting there at a conference table saying, "I used to love eating Hershey bars <laughs> in a in a in a brothel." Yeah. Against what the hell is wrong with you? We're a family, <laughs> goddamn. I mean, you can't compare. Yeah, like yeah. it's a one joke. one thing. The the old folks in the Emmys put it puts them to sleep, and the other one, they're like, you know, <laughs> get their jimmies rustled by. Like I, I can't. I honestly cannot think of a single category this year that shouldn't go to Breaking Bad. It's it's going to... They're going to win 45 Emmys this year. It's going to be like that time where the Return of the King won a bunch of Oscars because it was kind of like its victory lap, and, except for way better and more dominating. Uh-huh. Like, Breaking Bad is just going to fucking destroy at the enemies, Emmys this year. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be fair. If you're a, a non-comedy <laughs> cat, you might as well not even submit. Yeah. You really shouldn't. Yeah. Just stay at home. Don't pay $10,000 for a tux or a dress. Why would you? You're not going to your name's not going to get read. What the hell are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's almost sad. If way. I was the presenter and I I would just read, I would not even go through the charade. I'd just be like, and our nominees are fuck it. It's it's Aaron Paul, <laughs> Dean Norris. It's Dean no, it's no, Betsy Brandt, it's Anna Gunn. <laughs> well, the thing is they can't all win. I know. Well, that's the problem, right? And poor Dean Norris. It's going to be Aaron Paul, and it's Probably. going to be Brian Cranston, and it's going to be Vince Gilligan, and oh. they should just end the charade. But but they also need it to win it for direction and writing and production and, and score and like every category I can think of, they have just blown it out of the water. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, in this scene, uh, this is kind of the shot I was talking about when he says we're a family. Uh, you mentioned how it kind of like. Uh, when he gets sliced with the knife, it slows down and the sound kind of gets dulled a little bit. Well, it does it again here, much like it did in um, even the pilot episode where he found out he had cancer, right? Yeah. Uh, and and he just kind of stopped listening to the world around him. Well, that's what it felt like here, too, in, in a small part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he says we're family, the camera is zooming in on him. And when they show his family, it's zooming away from them. And I really like how that's just putting the distance between him and his family there. 
even at the same time, he's trying to keep it together, but that's not possible any longer. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. And then he runs out uh, the door with Holly and Anna Gunn is too uh, flustered at the moment to really notice in time. And he's gone. He's gone. He takes Holly with him. This was uh, That was crazy. Um, incredibly taking, intense. So hard to watch. Taking Holly with them and then the the fear that Anna Gunn portrayed uh, as being in Skylar White, being hysterical for her baby. And powerless. Yeah. It oh just yeah it's tough it's so tough to watch. We did talk a little bit about this in the instant cast, like the reason why he grabs Holly on the way out, and I thought that it was you know for him to still have this link to Skyler where she would be forced to at least communicate with him in some way. Uh, I also think he grabs her because she's the only family member that doesn't hate his fucking guts right now, and if he's gonna try to keep his family together, that's the one piece he has left. You yeah. know. Yeah, I think it just made sense in the time, and that, that he wanted. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right that that you know even Walt Junior has turned against him, and this yeah. is the one that hasn't been you know swayed against him, and he can still comfort her. And Unfortunately, because she can't be swayed against him, <laughs> she's too young. And I think that you know that's what he realized in the bathroom that you know when she started calling yeah. for her mom that even this is just you know. It's it's a fantasy, and I, I don't know that it even it felt real to him in the moment. Like even without her doing the ma 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 routine, surely the 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 good version of Walter White would have surfaced long enough to know that this is insane. That you can't do this fugitive life on the road thing. You can't use the disappearer without you know. It's not fair to <laughs> Skyler. Yeah, and that's kind of explains his. You know, he's had a, a face heel turn, and now he's doing a. You know, at least halfway heel to face, I guess. He is, yeah. I mean, in the desert, he blames anyone and everyone but himself. And then when he's looking at Holly saying, Mama, I think it it sinks in, you know? It's the one thing that's been able to penetrate his stupid skull. Yeah. Stupid bald skull. <laughs> For sure. And I was also glad to see that there is, in fact, a line that Skylar will not cross. Yes, it is far too late to do anything about it. But at least she took a stand in the end, you know? Yeah, she when gets she, the knife. When, when he, you know, because the thing is, if he was complicit in Hank's death, mm-hmm. there's literally everything she thought she knew about him, like, she no longer could count on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Like, you're going to kill fucking your brother-in-law, then why, what well, how is do? any of them safe? Yeah. So. For sure. And yeah, that, that scene with Walt where he's changing hot, it was just fucked, man. How, you know, the, with the baby talk and the re, it's just, oh man, it was, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Everything in this episode just felt dirty. Mm-hmm. It just felt wrong in the best way possible. You yeah, know? yeah, I know. Yeah. It's what you want to see, but it's hard to watch. Uh, anyway, we'll skip over the, the scene now where Holly's in the, the restroom and he's changing her uh, and she says, mama, cause we talked about that. And we'll move on to the police showing up at the White House. Um, Skyler gets a call from Walt. And he knows the police are listening. A lot of people, I guess, didn't get this with the first viewing. But he knows that they're listening. So he makes it sound like she had nothing to do with any of this. And then he also says that they'll never see Hank again. Yeah, so this was, uh, I said it's a coded message. But it's, actually, it's, it's certainly that. Because I think he's using this to communicate, you know, toe to line. 
go along with this story. Let me give you this. And, yeah. you know, also, and, and... He's telling her, I'm going to save you now. He's Yes, and then he's tell, telling to the police, like, I'm taking full credit. You knew nothing. Yep. You were an accessory. You were trying to tell me the whole time. You felt scared and threatened. I mean, he's completely trying to exonerate her, not just to the police, but to Walt Jr., too. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you can see them all listening to this. And to Marie. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's basically trying to give her the, li- his, the life back as best as he can, and... Skyler saying genuinely, I'm sorry, I think is her acknowledgement of that, which is why Walt visible. I mean, that's the part where he almost broke down. It was such a great performance. This man, yeah. Yeah. his voice is just, you know, you're a bitch. And he has and, to be angry. Right. This is this all your fault. It is your disrespect and all. And, and uh, yet his face yeah. was a man about to cry it, the whole time. <laughs> If the family scene did not win him the Emmy, this one does. That's what I'm saying. I mean, there are literally a dozen scenes in this season that that win it. He's got at least three scenes in this fucking episode (laughs) that would win him an Emmy. Absolutely. And it's just, it it plays broad. If you do nothing about Breaking Bad and just watch this scene, you'd be like, holy shit, some captivating shit. Yeah. And it also plays super subtle. Um, you know, when you really see mm-hmm. the nuance of his facial expression, and how he's using his voice, and how he's pretending like he's breaking down—that's just yeah. hard to do, man. Oh yeah, like actors don't have a hard job. I mean, it's not particularly demanding, and it's a lot of fun, but not everyone can do it. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Like I could never—could you ever be in a relationship with an actor or actress <laughs> with Brian Cranston? You have no idea. Yeah, like when what are he's you thinking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you happy, sad? I mean, how the hell would I know? Yeah. Are no, you telling that's... the truth? Are you lying? Are you faking this orgasm? Are you crying <laughs> to manipulate me? What the fuck? Uh, to be fair, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it works every time. Every time. Uh, anyway, so it also works on another level, right? Because he has slipped back into this character of Heisenberg, I think, quite a bit. I mean, his ego is what he's playing on here. It might be like, his last... I built this. It me would, alone. It would be interesting if... The first lie as Heisenberg, and this is his last. It would be interesting if this is the oh. last lie he tells. Yeah, yeah. Like, from here on out, he's Mr. Lambert, and his sole purpose is to whatever the hell he's going to do. Yeah. I mean, that would be cool. Probably fuck up the uncle's anarchy. Yeah, so what are his... I've still got things left to do. I think he's going to take revenge on the Nazis. Um, do you think he a, has other things that are left to do after this episode? Lydia. Oh, sexual tension's finally going to bubble over. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, I think Todd's already stuck a claim to that. <laughs> uh, um, well, there's one more reason to get a bullet in his head. No, yep. I think that... But Lydia is on his list. Yeah, Has you, to be. You could be right, yeah. Has to be. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other loose ends he's got out there. Bogdan. No, <laughs> he's going back for eyebrows. He, he might kill Huel. Meet any man might be on the chopping block. Oh, what about Saul? I don't think I would be d- disappointed if Walt went after Saul because Saul has never done anything but do his damnedest to keep him out of jail and True. give him good advice. Yeah, the advice he doesn't that's often not, take. But I mean that, that that's not saying nothing for nothing. But I'm just saying that I'd, I'd personally be disappointed to see that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's move on to. Um, Walt leaving Holly in the fire station after this phone call. 
and then he's using Saul's disappearer, which... Did you notice the th- I, symbolism of the chessboard? Symbolism of the chessboard? Yeah, the, the, the fi- two firefighters are playing, and they zoomed in on the white king who's trapped on one side of the board with only two pawns left to defend them. <laughs> um, and, no, and, I didn't and, see and they that. said on the insider cast that they actually talked to one of the the crew members that was a chess player, and they had him set up the board to be two moves from checkmate. Okay. Which is kind of interesting you think of how many episodes we've got left. Two episodes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but mm. a lot of clear symbolism there. Yeah. Holly abandoned in a fire truck is the most goddamn pathetic <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Like Sarah uh. McLaughlin and <laughs> sad puppies on commercials have uh-huh. nothing on that kid with his face half peeking out. I like, again... I kind of think everyone in, in in Breaking Bad production needs to be investigated for some kind of <laughs> child child abuse. tormenting because there's no way you can get a performance out of a kid like that. Yeah. I like don't know. If a kid looks like that, they need to be picked up and jostled and hugged. And yeah. you, you're sticking a camera in their face? <laughs> Monsters, every fucking one of you. Every fucking one of you. Yeah, sadder. It sadder, was, Holly. <laughs> it was dusty. And I'd, I'd stayed pretty strong. <laughs> stayed dusty. Stayed pretty strong in the bald cave up until that scene. They got pretty dusty. Good excuse. Uh, and that's it. That's the end of the episode. I we talked about the disappearer. We didn't really talk about it. I immediately recognized his disappearer from the bags in the sidewalk because it's kind of a similar right. shot to it's what the we same, saw. Yeah, and, and obviously everything that that goes i okay is is it my imagination or was when jesse was in front of the giant industrial graveyard wasn't it kind of sunny and when walt was, it was there sunny, it was yeah. kind of like overcast and gray you think uh, they did that deliberately i don't know how overcast and gray it was when walt was there i want to say i didn't really pick up on it i just remember very distinct solid shadows when jesse was there which means the sun was out. What do you think of the uh, dog crossing the road at the end? Uh, you know, I tried to figure out what that meant, but I had no luck. I had, and something that was, I had a little help from my friends on Reddit, but I felt I felt like it concluded the dog trilogy. You had <laughs> Gale was the problem dog, Jesse's the rabbit dog, mm-hmm. Walt is the stray dog, unwanted, unloved, homeless. Hmm. Yeah, that looks like a pretty stray dog. Taking to the open road. All right. I like it. All right. Um, I am curious after this episode to see how the White House ends up in the condition that we see it in the flashback. Yeah, we got some some listeners wanting to know that. Wanting us to speculate wantonly. All right. Well, good, because I have no speculation on how that could happen. Um, But I'm I'm very interested to hear what our listeners have to say. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's it for our recap. Let's do some pimping and then get into the feedback. Uh, just an update on the Kickstarter stuff. We got a lot of shit done this weekend. We got the Q&A video and podcast recorded. We got the majority of the tracks laid down for our riff tracks. I think you guys are in for a treat on that. We got the t-shirts ordered. Um, shit is shit is happening and it's happening soon. Just want to give you an update on that. Uh if you like our show, you can find all the stuff we do on the Bald Move Network. Um, I always tickled at people that say that we got introduced to such and such a show by liking your one show and wanting to do, see what the other stuff does. Yeah. We, justified people. Justified, justified is good. Mad Men is good. Game of Thrones is good. And Walking Dead's fun. 
we're looking forward sure. to we're looking forward to season four of that. Just don't expect any Emmy nods for that. <laughs> yeah. Unless they're makeup. Andrew Lincoln, related. don't even don't even fly over. <laughs> don't even Stay in England. Up. It's it's you're not you're not it's not your year, buddy. <laughs> um next year neither, because John Hamm's probably gonna be tearing up for two more oh one more. Two more seasons. Wait, two more? Oh, oh okay. Yeah, they're splitting. Yeah, yeah, they they're split doing this the bullshit one. again. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, anyway uh, you can find all that stuff on baldmove.com. You can also find our other affiliates, Personal Arrogance, the boys out of Seattle. They talk beer, board games, video games, movies, sports, pop culture, uh, aquatic animals of all kinds, the Picasso Show, three chic, sexy, funny ladies out of Los Angeles. Uh, discussing women's issues on health, relationships, sex, books, makeup, relationships, fascinating stuff. And Tom and Kelly holding down the fort and up years downstairs, a look at all things Britannia. It's a uh, breakdown, Downton Abbey, Mr. Selfridge, the Titanic miniseries. Um, she did a guest spot on the sword, boars and goats this week. Did she not? Yes, she did. She's really funny. She is. Yeah. Stand up comedy comedian in real life. And she does the, she's curates the, Comedy channels on Pandora, too, professionally. Yeah. So. I, I don't know that she likes to talk about that, but who knows? Uh, oh, shit. Also, <laughs> uh, also uh, her and Tom have really good chemistry, so yeah. I enjoy listening to their show. You almost think they're married. <laughs> you almost, yeah. Um, you can also uh, support us, if you like what you, we do, by giving us positive reviews on iTunes. Um, our traffic has really exploded this year, and it's mostly due to you people uh, recommending us to your friends and family and clicking positive reviews for us on iTunes. We really appreciate that. You can also use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com, uh, which lines our pockets with pennies. And again, as I previously alluded to, tell a friend. We'd love to have them on the Bald Move Network in the Bald Move Army. Absolutely. But we're in the empire business. The Bald Move Empire. All right. Uh, that's <laughs> that it, right, for Pimpin'? Worst transition into feedback ever. Ah, no one will notice. Let's go to the feedback. Okay, I got a couple from a uh, previous episode. Margaret S., uh, Jesse, Andrea, and Brock. I think Jess. Oh, she's. this is the us uh, casting doubt on the realism of Andrea and Jesse's relationship. She says, I think Jesse broke up with Andrea by telling her that his involvement in the drug trade makes it too dangerous for, her, for you, baby. And uh, Brock to be directly involved with him. He still has Saul give them the money on a regular basis. However, he calls Andrew now and then like a separated dad. Um, when you're wondering how the... Uh, well, already, well, we already talked about that. The, my only problem is they didn't really show any of that. Like this it is felt all more great, like a clean sever. It's, it's all great speculation and whatnot. But and I, and I guess another listener wrote in to say that Saul... Um, in the problem dog episode said, what are you trying to go for saying of the year? And he mentioned that Jesse's still making those payments to Andrea. But I, I kind of thought the way he worded that might have implied that that's something he used to do and not does now. Hmm. I don't know. Um, moving on to Matthew C. He said, overall, my conclusion is uh, he did some, he did some advanced analysis of the footage of the gun battle. Cause we were calling bullshit about how exposed they are. And he said, he, he like, meticulously calculated everyone's position and concluded that there was a lot of slow-mo and a lot of replaying of the stuff from different angles. Sure. And his conclusion is that Hank and Gomi were only exposed for about two seconds before yep. being able to get behind the car. And did you take... And this is all for not considering 
one of them ended up dead and the other was shot in the leg. Right. So our speculation was we didn't see anybody get hit, so everybody's a terrible shot. And also, I think that they implied when they faded everything in that the amount of gunfire that we heard at the beginning of this episode was the entire amount of gunfire that was exchanged. It could have been. It was about a clip's worth of automatic ammo, right? Right. And I I thought that was a nod to the realism that, you know, it's kind of like when you're in a gunfight, it feels like it lasts forever (laughs) as a man who's never been in a gunfight. I imagine it would, yeah. But, you know, in reality, it's pretty short affairs. Mm -hmm. Um, Paul F. from Cleveland... Uh, says, you mentioned that it's only 2008 in the show when discussing Hank's cell phone. There are at least two instances would go against this. In Gliding Overall, when Walt is discussing the jailhouse maulings with Todd's uncle, Jack makes a comment about how killing bin Laden wasn't this complicated, mm-hmm. uh, which puts us past April 2011. And there's also another time inside Poyos Hermanos in season three or four where there's a sign that says voted best chicken of 2010. So clearly keeping yeah. consistency in this regard is not Vidligan's number one concern. Just something you want to bring your attention. And, and we had the fancy cell phone this week that had GPS and looked like it was a early generation iPhone. So, yeah. Well, see, that's that's why I said what I said last episode, which was that they haven't been very specific. It's been made to be more timeless. It's not really in a certain era. Yeah, which may – that's They've one thing. slipped a, up a couple times. Quite a few people call bullshit on the whole Bin Laden thing. Um, because of, you know, that's yeah. kind of an, an anachronism or something that pins it to a particular time. Sure. So, but yeah, real, real time show history. We've only gone like 14 months here, which I fucked up too. I don't know. Um, I had a slip of the tongue where I said that we had five years of Walt juniors being exposed to lies come breaking forth. I said that on the instant cast. Oh, five seasons, five worth. seasons yeah. is what I meant to say. Yeah, sure. Uh, had quite a few suggestions for uncles of anarchy drinks. Uh, Lee from Michigan said, how about <laughs> mixing Mountain Dew and Jack Daniels? Mountain uh, Dew is about the same color uh, as Todd's meth. And of course, Jack, <laughs> Uncle Jack. So, uh, aquamarine? Is that the color of Mountain Dew? Uh, I don't know. Mountain Dew is it's not colored. It's been a while since I've drank it. Nah, it's, you must have some weird snot if you got snot colored Mountain Dew. Uh, William C. wants to know about what about the other dead characters, which are characters he defines as once appearing on the show and are still alive, but maybe we won't see them in the final episodes. Here are some of his favorites that he predicts we will not see from here on out. What do we think? Number one, Skinny Pete and Badger. Yep. Not going to see him again. Not going to see him. Um, I I think the Star Trek scene was their their final bow. Yeah. Huel. Ooh. How long are you going to be? Not going to see him again. <laughs> Not going to see him again. Hmm. If we do, bullet to the brain. <laughs> well, okay. I take which, that which back. Which will I deflect think... off his chitinous horn <laughs> <laughs> that he grows on his forehead. Yeah. No, I, I think we might actually see him again if Walt goes to visit Saul at any point. Because mm. he's always sitting outside that damn door. Man, I don't... Whew, I'm saying bullet to the brain. Bogdan, a.k.a. Eyebrows. No, gone. Gone? Who cares? Ted Binicky. Ted Binicky, done. Gone. He's in a, a halo. Andrea and Brock. Oh, man. Well, I'm almost certain we're going to see that picture again. It depends. If, if there is a happy ending for Jesse at the end of this, I think we'll see them again. Huh. If not, we're not. Okay. All right. Um, 
Another little tidbit, which we talked in the spoiler section, we can now talk about openly since it wasn't a spoiler. It's no longer a spoiler. While researching characters for this list on IMDb, I found that the actor to play Crazy Eight is listed to appear in Ozymandias. Why Not would that be? True. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I. I do you think that the A considered having him show up at one point? So they went ahead and got him under contract because they weren't sure how much flashback they'd use, and then they decided not to. Or, you know, that's entirely possible. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because like you know, when they're blocking this stuff out, they're like, "We want to do a flashback to season one." We I wonder if it had get... more to do with those pants in the <laughs> desert. You know, <laughs> what? like they were going to show what led up to him. Oh yeah, yeah running yeah. away in the RV. Right, right. And they're like, "We maybe we want to lock these guys down just in case," and then they end up not using them. So yeah. Um, Mark M said, Hey, just listened to the podcast and heard you guys agree that the telephone conversation between Walt and Jesse, wherein Walt admits to the murders was not admissible in court. In fact, it is under federal law. Consensually recorded television telephone conversation constitutes admissible evidence. In other words, if one party to the conversation agrees to allow the conversation to be recorded, the conversation in toto, you can tell he's a lawyer is admissible in federal <laughs> court and any charges against Walt would be brought in federal court. I don't get it. Wizard of Oz reference? Huh? I don't get it. Wizard of Oz reference? Yeah. (laughs) What about in Kansas? Oh, geez. Uh, I'm a federal prosecutor and use consensually recorded conversations all the time as evidence of criminal conduct and masturbatory aids. No, he didn't put that. (laughs) Um, Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, he also says it's believable that Hank would be able to track Walt to the desert even without a court-ordered GPS tracking warrant because most federal agents, including DEA agents, have people at various telephone service providers, such as Verizon, Sprint, etc., who happily provide agents with information without a court order. Mm. That is fucking terrifying, but I don't doubt that it is true. Bunch Um, of federal agents with TSPs. (laughs) Telephone service providers. Oh, gotcha. Okay. (laughs) That's all I meant. Uh, Mike JD said, uh, chimes in, says, I'm a full-time federal criminal defense attorney. I've represented everyone in the meth flow chart from producers, distributors, mules, middlemen, money launders, and tweakers using tenths. Teenths? Teenths. Some states require both parties consent, but most like New Mexico require only the consent of one party. Since Jesse is cooperating, we can assume he is consenting, hence no need to get a warrant. So wow. it's all on the legal up and up. Yeah, the lawyers doubled up on us this time. Yeah, tag teamed us. We got both sides. I got the prosecution and the defense. Wow. When they agree, case closed. <laughs> yeah. Zisco said, What would you think of the show ending this way? Person X discovers plays Jesse's confession, and it's kind of an angry but heartfelt soliloquy about how he actually cares about Mr. White. Thus, Aaron Paul's prediction at the end would piss people off is true. Do you understand what he's saying here? Huh. Yeah, so he's saying basically... Because we've never seen the full confession. Yes, yes. And if he were more sympathetic to Walt in that confession, it might be interesting, and it might change how we think about uh, maybe even both of them at the end of the series. Yeah, it's kind of a trope. on It It, I, it, it feels a little tropey because you see a lot of movies and television shows about people that have died... And when you've got pre-recorded material end on the grainy little thing you play it on the TV of, I saw, yeah. I, you know, or like Blair Witch style, yeah, <laughs> where that's all you've got left of them. Yeah, they're just standing in a basement with their backs to the wall. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I really like it, Zisco. There's my opinion. All right, Colleen K said, "I want to take you guys to task on the criticisms you had in last episode about Andrea." 
and how you thought, oh, this is the more in-depth uh, email. How you thought a reaction surrounding Jesse when Walt came to visit her didn't make sense because they'd broken up. Uh, he, she says, uh, he has indeed been paying her bills up until at least the episode confessions. First, Jesse mentioned the Walt and Hazard pay at the end of the episode that he'd broken up with her, but still planned on paying her bills. Also in Blood Money, Saul says that Jesse is one miracle short of being the same, considering he still pays for the ex's bills and questions why he'd want to give away the five million to Drew Sharp's parents and Kaylee Ermin, Ermintrout. Mm-hmm. Uh, considering the time lapse from confessions, it's only been a few days, a week at most, since Jesse had been AWOL and Andrea wouldn't be cash poor yet. Andrea also knows that Jesse is into something, as Walt told as Jesse told Walt and Hazard Pay. She doesn't know the details, but I'm sure when Jesse broke up with her, he insinuated that he was doing it for her and Brock's sake without divulging any details. Also, Andrea notes that Jesse still checks in on Brock ever so often, so she knows that her ex not only takes care of them financially, but also cares deeply for her son. I'm sure she identifies a little with Renee Zellweger from Jerry McGuire a little, too. I have this great guy, and he loves my kid, and sh- he sure does like me a lot. Well, that sold it for me. Jerry Maguire reference. I am on <laughs> you board. You had me at Jerry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at Renez Zellweger. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, she pretty much blew us out of the water. I retract. Totally true. And after this episode, you kind of have to... Or, sorry, the episode before where basically Andrea says as much. How You can't deny that the, the story they're telling is Oh, false. I deny plenty that Villigan puts up there. Uh, For example, I'll go to my grave saying that the person that told Walt to go home is Mike, not Gus. You're wrong, Bill. I'm going to do spectral voice analysis on that (laughs) shit one of these days when I can afford the machine. All right. Uh, Derek M says, did you find any significance to the seven barrels of money that Walt buried? There are seven original characters left that started in the pilot. Walt, Skyler, Jesse, Hank, Marie, Walt Jr., and Baby Holly, albeit who was still in her mommy's womb. (laughs) Being that Scarface is the movie where everyone dies, I've been maintaining that this is the show where everyone dies. So could the buried barrels represent those seven characters dying? Oh, poor baby Holly. Man, it's not looking good for the White family dying, honestly. Seven that barrels, prediction... seven bodies, that's kind of strong. Yeah, but the why would the White family die at this point? Because it would How be... would they die? Uh, the Uncles of Anarchy wanting to eliminate anybody that has knowledge of their shit and what they just gave walt a barrel of money and asked if they're cool shook his hand and left him in the desert when they could have and killed then, him and then they beat the location free. out of the tapes of out of jesse where are those tapes at <laughs> i'm what i'm saying is they could have killed him right there been done with the problem but they didn't now they're going to go after his family when he's on the run and they don't even know where he is. Yeah, I don't. I don't see them dying. Honestly. All right, last one for the old Ron L. I'm watching season three right now and episode five of that season. Moss, the DEA agent, gives Gomez a cake. On that cake is a caricature of him holding a shotgun, precisely the same <laughs> as last episode. The occasion is him taking Hank's place in El Paso. Possible another example of foreshadowing, as his death would result by clutching a shotgun. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I don't buy that that was advanced foreshadowing because Vince is not that prescient. But what they do do and what they what they do very well is they're very aware of their show's history. Mm-hmm. And when they're in a writing room, I bet there's at least one person that said, you know what? Go me had that keg. It'd be cool if he was holding the shotgun when he died. And that was a, a, a retroactive homage. Yeah, like those pants in the desert. 
you don't think they set that up yeah. in the pilot. No. But they yeah. remembered the pilot, and yeah. they went and did something. Now that, that was in Vince's pitch. Five years <laughs> later, he's going to be pushed a barrel money past those same pants we saw floating down. Brilliant. Sign Symbolizing uh, uh, Heisenberg cratering to the desert floor of life. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the new stuff. Steve says the dog in the final shot represents a stray who, like Walt, has no family. We talked about that. Yep. Solid theory. Uh, it also but, says, whoa, oh, okay. what? Okay, go ahead. It says, right before Hank dies, he tells Walt the uncle made up his mind 10 minutes ago. In the comic book Watchmen, the character Ozymandias, hmm. Ozymandias says a very similar line. At the end, Ozzy unleashes his uh, doomsday device on the world. Spoiler alert. When Rorschach and Night Out ask when he plans to do this, he said, I did it 35 minutes ago. Ha, nice. All right, I'm going to bust in here with some uh, Watch voicemails. Out. Voicemail. Some fancy, fancy voicemails we got. Courtesy uh, of our Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, we got a few people writing in, or sorry, calling in from Kickstarter. What? The first of which, I'm actually going to play these back to back because they deal with similar topics. We're going to go with Tom from Pennsylvania and Edom from. Or, I'm sorry, Edom from New Zealand. And here's what they have to say. Hey, Jim and Aaron, this is Tom from Pennsylvania. All right, I got a theory for you. What if, like last episode, when Todd said to everyone else that they should be wearing their masks, but Jesse uses that when he cooks and poisons everybody, like Walt did at Crazy 8 in episode 1? I just want to hear your thoughts, because that would bring it full circle. Hey, guys, this is Adam from New Zealand. I thought I'd better use this uh, voicemail feature once, at least. But damn, I, I'm i not afraid to admit that episode actually had me in tears. I had to pause it a few times and go and give my daughter, my one-year-old daughter, a cuddle. Because damn, that, that stuff was really harsh. But anyway, I came up with an idea about how um, Jesse might be able to get away from the uh, evil dudes without um, having Walt having to come help him. That scene at the start reminded me of the very first time that Walt used his science abilities to get out of a situation, and he made that poison gas. Maybe Jesse will do the same sort of thing, maybe, you know, showing us that he's as smart or smarter than Walt as well. Um, and also, I think the reason for Walt being in such a rush is a small thing you might have forgotten, but he left his car in the desert with bullet holes in it. No petrol and bullet holes in it. Sure, as soon as that's found, there's going to be some questions asked. Anyway, thanks a lot for the great podcast, and uh, can't wait to see what those next two episodes hold. Thanks. So what do you think about Jesse using science uh, against Todd? What the hell to get is out of it? petrol? <laughs> yeah, there. I'll tell you what. There has never been any petrol in Walt's car. That's right. It's called gasoline. Get it straight. <laughs> anyway, um, so... Yeah, yeah. What do you think about those those observations? So first things, will Jesse use science? Yeah. I uh, got a feed, uh, written feedback from a listener on that. Uh, there's got to be something to them calling out that you have to be an idiot to smoke around these chemicals, to Uncle Jack disdaining the mask and being cavalier about safety measures and smoking around them. And, and smoking in this episode as well. And... I think that Jesse's smart enough to take advantage of that shit. Yeah, yeah, I, I that's a very strong theory. Now, I, I thought maybe Walt would be captured and he'd do it, but just like Jesse proved in Mexico, he can cook as good as his, his uh, mentor. I think he can improvise a robot uh, as well as his mentor. 
All right. And I That's what we're buy... talking about, right? Him building a robot. Yes, building a robot okay. uh, to crush Todd. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I, I think the the justification that Walt's car is out there with bullet holes uh, is a pretty good one for why he'll be rushing around, you know? Well, Somebody that, finds that, reports it, and, he, and they're coming to look for him. And what if the uh, uh, Native American man reports him, too? Because that's kind of, sure. kind of weird. A uh, man just pushing a barrel through the desert, and he gave <laughs> me ten grand for my shit truck. My shit box. Yep. You know. All right. Let's play. It with, what, what is it with white dudes giving Indians money for shit trucks? You know, Bella's dad in Twilight, and now this guy. Oh, shame on you for <laughs> referencing that. The Rift Tracks version only. I know. I do, not advocate, I do not advocate watching Twilight without the protective concoonery of mockery. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, let's play uh, our final email from Sam from the UK. Here's what he has to say. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Aaron. This is Sam Gomahamedy from London. Unfortunately, you didn't get to play my voicemail last week of my predictions for the final episodes. I was right about Jesse being taken by the uncles of anarchy and being forced to cook, and Walt using Saul's disappearer guy, although I was wrong about Skyler and Walt Jr. would think Walt was dead. However, as the scenes played out, this made for a very dramatic episode, and I think the battle of Walter versus Skyler and Walt Jr. was more dramatic to watch than anything I've seen on the show to date, and because this was the scene when the wheels finally came off. All I can hope now is that Walt finds and kills the uncles while Jesse can get some proper good revenge on Todd. It's about time. The scene, just seeing Meth Damon, just having Jesse all damaged, beaten, controlling him, treating him like his bitch. We're used to Jesse calling people bitch, but not actually being one. And it's just on the one hand, it's so traumatic. It's the show is just so amazing with hearts going a mile a minute. But some of the things we've seen, it also just your heart's breaking as you're watching it. And to be honest, we've only a couple of episodes left. I can't see there's going to be a good ending. I can't. I can't even see any glimmer of hope in this. But somehow, I just, I'm just so upset. Walt Junior's in such a bad situation now. He was the one person, you know, a few uh, podcasts ago, saying he's the one person I'm still rooting for. And uh, I, I still hope there's some light at the end of the tunnel for him, but I don't know. But anyway, thanks for the podcast each week. Look forward to listening to listening to you on Tuesday, and uh, look forward to next episode. Thanks. All right, Sam. First of all, he called me Jesse, which... I'm not sure if he's fucking with me or think, if he just had a slip of the tongue there. I think that's what English speakers in non-American countries do. They just call things deliberately by the wrong name. They call gasoline petrol. They call Jim <laughs> Jesse. They call elevators lifts. They call trucks lorries. It's just the thing they do. All right. All right. Uh, well, I'm not going to give him too much crap for that because in his first voicemail he sent us, he said the word brilliant, which... Is kind of my thing. British people saying brilliant and, you know. When you mean something's awesome. fucking stupid, yes. That's what they do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so his other points um, were that uh, Jesse uh, is kind of in a tough situation here, and we are not used to seeing him 
in uh, this situation, which on one hand I, I agree with. I mean, he has been kind of with Walter this whole time, and Walter's been kind of protecting him and leading him through it. Uh, but at the same time, he gets his ass beat all the time. All the time. I mean, that was kind of a running gag. Through. Yeah, and he did all right by himself down in Mexico all by himself. That's true. All by himself. I'll say that one more time. <laughs> that's, that's true. He did. Uh, and, and what do you think about the idea that there is no happy ending coming for anyone in this series? I don't. I think Vince is too nice a guy to do that. I really do. The man looks, really after this episode. The the man looks like a younger, more hipstery <laughs> Colonel Sanders. Oh, that he can't. I, I don't think he's got an ending to, to give it a completely dark, no happy ending. There's got to be <laughs> something in the final scene that makes us feel good about the experience we've had. How brilliant I don't would think it be? he's got an end to do it? I don't think he's got it in to do a Braveheart. I disagree with you there, but how even Braveheart couldn't do a Braveheart. They tried to pull a, a fucking happy ending at the end of that. Yeah, yeah. With him having Robert freedom. the Bruce, you know, give you know, well not only that, but Robert Bruce eventually rallied them in, and oh yeah, and yeah title yeah. cards told us they kicked English's ass or something. I don't. I might have just started a civil war. I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, Sam will know for sure. <laughs> that then that's right. He's going to go and kill an Irishman tonight. <laughs> I've just I just reignited ages old conflict. Oh, no, uh, man, you totally threw off uh, what I was going to say. I don't even remember what it was now. Uh, anyway, okay, thanks to all of our voicemailers. <laughs> I, I, I can't recover and from that. De facto Kickstarter backers. Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys. Back to the uh, written feedback. Uh, Phil S uh, talked has another um, symbolic use for the dog at the end of the episode he thinks it might have symbolized jesse who's currently chained up like a dog oh yeah he is but he thinks he'll be freed eventually in the end is what they're trying to say since he was the rabid dog from earlier in the season he also said the two birds flying in the sky after hank and gomi were killed symbolized their spirits leaving their bodies and rising through the sky hmm credit to his lady amanda for that one i did like the the uh double use of that hole it was yeah for money and a grave. brutal brutal but yeah 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 didn't see it coming but god it we had a couple so people sense. say that that was going <laughs> to make a dual use uh, murder hole and they were right absolutely rob from shy town says why doesn't he just say that some guys came to kill jesse and hank and gomi were with him uh th- wait kill jesse and hank and gomi were with him that doesn't change the killings but at least get skylar and junior to listen to walt and maybe start to believe it wasn't part of his uh his it wasn't his plan or his fault I don't think Walt was talking his ass out of that pit. <laughs> the second that yeah. Hank died, and I mean, because Skylar just is not going to believe anything she he says, and so, she knows that it's all a result of his actions anyway. He wants to know in the flash forward who sprays Heisenberg on the wall. Who would want to send that message? The ghost of Gomez. No, um, I think the place has just been fucking vandalized, man. It's starting to look like that's it, because everyone knows now. Jet, yeah. Walt's been hit at every possible place he lives, including his home. Yeah, I, I've got to think maybe it's those skater punks that were out back skating in his pool. Who is Walt going to use to ricin on? What happens between now and then he has to resort to killing someone with a secretive, potent, and highly effective drug? Hmm. Todd. I hope Todd gets the ricin. Uh, my money's still on Lydia. And okay. we got some emails that affect later on. Chris says, from the beginning, Gilligan has referenced... 
Walter White is embodiment of Mr. Chips' Scarface, even it being the pitch for the show. This week on the phone, Walt even quoted Tony Montana saying, I put this thing together. Nice reference. Yeah. Dustin M says, as low as I am try to try to predict what the Villigan will do, Walt doesn't come back to save Jesse. He hears a news report as part of the Heisenberg story that we know will come out. And when they mention the blue meth of such high quality is still being found, he then realizes what it means. He comes back because it's his formula. He comes back because stay the fuck out of my territory. Oh, man. Walt, let it go. Yeah, we're all primed to kind of root for Walt because he's the only one that can take down Team Panzer De- uh, Gray. Yeah, uh, and at the end of the day, what's worse, Tom G. what's worse, Walt or Nazis? And, and like, he just the way <laughs> the way he comes down, he he's coming back in the town not as Heisenberg. That's the key. He yeah. he comes back as a man, matter of fact, defeated as a man on a mission. I think this next episode is going to be him finding out how to beat the Nazis. And then six months are going to elapse, and he's going to then do it. All right. You beat them with air power, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Superior logistics, manpower, product. Yeah, you outproduce them. Hopefully they'll go. (laughs) Maybe they'll get in a land war in Asia. That's always a bad Bombers. I think bombers do it most often. Bombers, right. Nancy G says, Jesse cowers away from Todd, saying they told him. He's told them that there's only one confession. It's at Hank's house. Did they find Jesse's confession? Did they find Walt's obscene DVD confession? Hey, now. Does Marie hand over Jesse's confession to the DEA before the uncles arrive? Is Marie going to get whacked? Is that another reason why Walt comes back? <laughs> Lots of questions. Lots of questions, Nancy G. I have no answers, unfortunately. We need Nancy Drew on this case. Uh, what about the kicked-in door and smash mirror in Walt's bedroom? Is that because the abandoned house was vandalized or because there was a fight in that room? I'm leaning towards vandalism. I don't see Walt coming back to the house to scuffle with anybody before the flash forward for sure. Yeah. 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 I think Walt might be gone for a while now. Maybe he's like Batman and that's his crime alley and he just patrols it to beat the shit out of skate, ever living shit out of skateboarders (laughs) skating in his pool. (laughs) I'm Heisenberg. (laughs) Um... Andy says, in all caps, please tell us how you interpret Skylar packaging up the crying clown ceramic. What is that significance? Uh, you got anything on this? She wants to make money. <laughs> no, I don't have any symbolic. Uh, Honestly, I, I think the only symbolism there is the camera shot of her reaching for the knife and then the phone and then flip it up and reverse it. Okay. So and it's a you know it's 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 a callback to the sad birthday hand job and also I guess shows how mundane her concerns were at that point yeah versus how not mundane they are now yeah uh, S Dub in Cincinnati says now I know how Bella Caroli uh, <laughs> felt watching Carrie's drug referring to Vince Gilligan sticking the landing under improbable circumstances. <laughs> okay. Do you remember that? Uh, I know what young. happened there. Now she hurt her foot. She twisted her she ankle. She hurt her and then, foot. Yeah. She had a compound frac- fracture of her femur and the yeah, shattered she back vertebrae. And she, she won the Cold War single-handedly, I think. No, you got to wonder, did she have just have a twisted ankle and then broke her foot in her back? She's pumped full of steroids is all I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was the Bella Caroli way. Uh, Isaac K said, unless something happens in the next episode, why would Walt be compelled to save Jesse at all, as many predictions have suggested? Good point. Fair point. At this point, it seems he pretty much doesn't give a shit whether Jesse lives. I like editing to make our viewers' emails more profane. Hardly anyone swears in our email box. If almost ninety nine point nine percent of the time, if you hear uh, swears, I've added it just to amuse myself. Not next week. He next gave week Uncle Uncle Grandmaster Dragon Jack to go ahead to. Ki- yeah, you know what? I just yeah, we're gonna have a profane email box next week. Yep. Uncle Grandmaster Dragon Jack to go ahead to kill him, only for him to be saved by Todd. He told him about Jane. He despises Jesse at this juncture. Story-wise, the show could end here. I'm just really interested to see what compels Walt to come back to the A-B motherfucking Q. What do you think, Jim? So I think part of the reason why uh, he basically condemned Jesse to death there and told him about Jane is because he was angry about what happened. And in denial about his own agency in this matter. For sure. Um, I think once he cools off, maybe that could change. But I'm also with you. Like, in that moment, he hates Jesse. Mm. So, I don't know. We'll I see. think that also he's kind of woke up from his shithead dream a little bit in this episode. Like, by the end, yeah. I think Holly might have... He might be making the, the face turn. He might be turning back towards the good guy. I'm certainly rooting for him in his capacity to take down Team Panzer Gray. So does this shed any light on that scene? Remember when he goes back to his house in the flash forward and he looks in that broken mirror? Mm. Do you think this, looking back at that scene, lends it any kind of new uh, meaning? Because I feel like he's really taking stock of himself and what he's become and what he once was in this house. Yeah. And also as a callback to the Ozymandias shattered visage line in the poem too. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. These are his works. This, this, <laughs> this, this shithole house that he's revisiting as a, as a direct result of his actions. Yeah. Uh, Will S said, I felt friend of the show. Will S said, I felt like the cook at the beginning fading in the, into the shootout served a couple of purposes. The first was to establish that things were coming to an end where they began Walt plus Jesse, but also to illustrate the degree of control Walt had in the situation. An initial cook, he was desperate to save his family, but showed his first Heisenberg traits and the same desperation was present when the shootout ended and Heisenberg died right there trying to save Hank. It wound up being the Cliff Notes version of the Heisenberg story and reminded us how he was born and how he died. So it's like this is the beginning, this is the birth of Heisenberg, and this was the death of Heisenberg. Yeah. That feels right to me. For sure. So now we can root for Walt to kill the Nazis and then die of cancer? Yeah, why not? All right. Him telling Jesse about the hands-free solution to the girl's prob- the girl problems was, again, a very Walter move because Walter would uh, think of people like Jesse as trash. And I think that Walt was saying that deep down he never really did feel like Jesse was worth anything and blames him for the current state of affairs. It's almost like Heisenberg and Jesse were friends. But with Heisenberg gone, Walt doesn't give a shit about what happened to Jesse. Hmm. So, like, him, Heisenberg could connect to Jesse as a fellow criminal. Yeah. But Walt cannot. What do you think of that? Interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know. All right. <laughs> Moving on to Adam Very J. insightful tonight. Uh, it just... Should I add more profanity? Would that help? Yes, it would, okay. actually. It just clicked. They've often focused on... Just two shits and one F-bomb, though. All right. On Lydia's, on Lydia's T, even with Todd com- commenting that I made it strong, just how you like it. 
The rice will eventually end up where it almost did earlier in the season in her goddamn tea. Mm. It may even see it being planted in a tea bag as one last posthumous fuck you from Walter. Perfect ending. Lydia thinks she's made it out alive. Then we see her going to make her cup of fucking tea. Ah, oh, Lydia's fade get, to black. Lydia's gonna get tea bagged. It's got to be. It's, I'm 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 rooting for uh, Walter White with the stevia laced ricin or the ricin laced stevia in the coffee shop. All right, that's my prediction. Um, Joe from London said. Walt sells a lottery ticket with the coordinates of the money hole turned shallow grave. I can't help but feel that this will come into play in the final two, if only to give Marie a chance to bury Hank properly. I like that. Ooh, Marie's going to have to go out there with a shovel, <laughs> zoom his corpse <laughs> from the money hole. Oh, uh, that's a rough scene to watch. No, I, I do agree that something is going to happen with that lottery ticket, right? It's too cool of a detail to be used so mundanely, and that yeah. would be that would be kind of a... That would that would be a civil thing to do, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the ticket could also seriously incriminate Walt and potentially be the only remaining evidence of his wrongdoing by the end of the series. Mm-hmm. Presumably, the uncles will break into Marie's house and steal slash destroy the SD cards with Jesse's confessions. I'd also imagine being experienced b and artist, they'll do this stealthily like they did with the photo of Andrea and Brock. Good point. Okay. Dr. Ken from Chicago says, wanted to point out how great it was. Great, probably not the proper word, but to have Todd put Jesse in a cage and how it calls back to Todd's fascination with the spider in the jar after he killed the kid. <laughs> that scene has always struck with, stuck with me as regard to Todd as I never could figure out what it's supposed to mean, but now I get it. Chilling. Yeah. Yeah, I Chilling. like that a lot. And he's so matter of fact about, you know, let's cook. Eww, creepy. <laughs> yeah. Clay says, my favorite aspect of this episode is the opening and ending parallels. The genuine love on Walter's face for Skylar and opening flashbacks in comparison with the artificial vitriol of their bullshit phone conversation at the end was beautifully tragic. Both conversations amounted to the same goddamn thing. Walt recognizing how much he truly loves his family after essentially losing his entire family in a span of hours. Walt remembers that he truly cares for them and sacrifices any chance of personal salvation to absolve his wife of her wrongdoing so that just maybe there'll be a chance for her and the children. The parallel is heartbreaking and goddamn the Villigan and all parties involved for making Walt sympathetic in the same episode where he coldly attempts to send Jesse to his death and drops the Jane bombshell. Yep. Yep. Uh, that was pretty much my entire instant review was how am I supposed to feel about these people? Yep. And isn't it so great that I even have to ask that question? It's brilliant. I mean, it's such a troll for him to make, <laughs> to turn every 99% of the populace against Walt. And then by the end of the episode, we are rooting for him to finish his work. Yeah. Yeah. And then die of cancer. <laughs> he hopes to see us in Atlanta later on in the year for the Walker stalker con. And we hope to see you clay. We'll do. Jared T. from Houston says, I think Jesse might pull the move that Walt did at Tuco's place and blow up the room, killing Todd and committing suicide. Mm, I thought the move was a sad hand job. <laughs> Walt didn't do that the at Tuco's move. place. No, no, no. Until he finished his sentence. I uh, gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. Um, that's another vote for that. Mm-hmm. Killing with science. We like it. We already talked about it in the voicemail. So, moving on to Peter S. I'm I the only one. Wondering why Todd and the Nazis are still cooking. If you made $69 million in one afternoon, would you keep your crummy day job? <laughs> Maybe he's in the Empire business, man. Maybe he's got the same sickness that Walt's got. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why did Walt keep cooking? 
when he had more than enough money to support his family? Uh, good question. Uh, Uncle Jack will stop cooking when America is as white as Jim's gym socks. Jim's gym I think socks. that's what he's trying. Yeah, he's 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 got societal change as his focus, man. He needs yeah. a lot more money in 69. He's a revolutionary. He's insane, but I mean, I think that's sure. the way he looks at things. Yeah. Um, Kyle J says regarding your questions about the motivate, and again, we got lots of people saying the same thing. My policy is always I take the first one chronologically. Uh, Kyle J said regarding your questions about the motivation of Uncle Jack letting Walt keep a barrel of cash. I think the background was laid back in episode three of the second half of season five in the bathroom of the diner. The conversation Uncle Jack had regarding how the world had gone to shit, in his view, because of no smoking on planes and basic manners, <laughs> as he sees them going by the wayside. I think the act of letting Walt keep some money had to do with this worldview of his. Hmm. Yeah, maybe he contributed yeah, a little. We I talked mean, about that, how even Nazis have their know, own moral code. Soft spots for family and friends and are, you know... You, you, you want to write them off as just unspeakably human, but they're or speakingly human, but they're human beings at the same time. So they got their weird foibles that are out like the rest of us. Uh, Dave W says in your instant cast, I think you mentioned. It might sound like I'm a defensive Nazis. I, I don't. Want, yeah, I. I know where you're coming. What from I'm saying here. is like <laughs> it's too easy to dismiss people like that as just evil. But yeah. that shit happens. Think about you, you, it in terms of Walt. It's very that's the easy kind of to dismiss evil, him as evil it's, as well. That's the kind of evil you have to always be on guard for in your uh-huh. nation, in your family, in your own fucking heart. Don't think that, like, these people were born that way and, you know, no, there but for the grace of the flying spaghetti monster, go you. Um, Dave W. says in your instant cast, I think you question why Walt was in such a hurry to pack up his family and leave despite nobody knowing about him. But as you'll recall, the minivan driving identity racer dude comes within an hour of a call from Saul, and it's a one-time oh, only prop. You if think Walt he already didn't hurry, called? He risked missing a ride in that sweet, sweet minivan. Okay. Well, I don't. So think my the question there would be: out. Why did he call before his family was there? Yes. If he wanted them to go with him. And and clearly the time doesn't work out because Walt arrived in the day. He abducted Holly. He dropped her off in the night. He got in the disappearer's van the next morning. Yes, that is so true. So that's the that uh, that's the definitive proof against that. Oh man, that would have been such a good reason too. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> oh, but I want to talk about it because if he thought, I'm sure there's others that did. So I want to talk about it. Yeah. John P. said, I have two minor issues with the vacuum new identity guy in this episode. First, Saul seems to indicate that if Jesse backed out or fucked things up, Saul, after Saul placed the call, would be the end of Saul's relationship with the vacuum guy, considering he says it would be both of their asses. I feel like this misdirection borders a little too closely on lying to the audience for breaking bad standards. God damn it. Why are we even doing this fucking podcast? If Villigan doesn't respect our sensibilities as a viewer, then what is it? What the fuck? Why are we even doing it? Let me continue the email. Okay. Though Walt did get the number from Saul and Crawl Space, so I guess it's acceptable misdirection if the characters aren't lying and Saul had no part in setting the specific instance up for Walt A. Totally redeem yourself, Villigan. Yep, there you go. Brilliant. Uh, my other minor issue with the vacuum guy seems a bit sloppy. Why would he pick up Walt in the exact same location, especially considered just a few days earlier, someone as suspicious as Jesse waited for him to pull up before bolting? Wouldn't the vacuum guy be a little wary after something like that? 
Granted, I realize this is most likely a cut corner for the sake of having an identifiable and admittedly cool-looking location in the moment. Yes, but honestly, that yeah. does seem... I'll never be able to look at that scene again. What? I hope you're being facetious there. No, because- totally. That For a guy that's supposed to be as careful as it's disappeared, that's really sloppy. Yeah. To come no, up I'm in the same you. fucking vehicle and pick up the same fucking guy or at the place that you just had a guy skeeve on you a couple days ago... Yeah. That's fucking stupid. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. But, again, 10. But for the sake of the audience, it was immediately identifiable what was happening. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so. it's a, it's a acceptable creative compromise. Uh, Louis R. said, Todd is a psychopath, not a serial killer. Although serial killers can be psychopaths <laughs> and vice versa, serial killers usually uh, have an emotional, non-profit reason for killing. There are many reasons, but rarely is it for money. Todd, on the other hand, is all about profit, not getting caught and doing whatever needs to be done, just as he learned from his dear Uncle Jack. If you want to do a show about criminal behavior, let me know. It's what I do for a living. Wait, 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 wait. Dexter is the unemotional killer. Oh, he's got you there, Lewis. What do you think? Jim's Jim <laughs> says, Jim says your PhD in criminal behavior. Fuck your PhD in criminal behavior. <laughs> Dexter. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Problem solved. Mind says, blown. He says BT dubs Don Draper's the quintessential white collar psychopath. Cold, unemotional, manipulative, mm. glib, superficially charming, and smooth. Yeah, he strikes me very American psycho. Yeah. Uh, in some ways. Brian from Long Island asks, uh, so the cousin of anarchy is towing a bullet-ridden truck on the road. Where are they going with that? And are there any highway cops in New Mexico? Clearly, New Mexico highway cops only trouble themselves with shattered windshields. (laughs) If you have clear, visible glass, you can drive through fucking traffic as fast as you want with Mm -hmm. as many bullet holes as you want, and they're going to be A-OK with that. And we just need to accept that about the great state of New Mexico. Scott W. says, noticed upon a second watching that Walt spent time discussing exothermic reactions and how you'd be an idiot to smoke around meth. And this is another email about using science to kill the Nazis. So well, I think we're, we're on board with that, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be super shocked by it. Um, it'd be a good callback. But also, there's something to that exothermic reaction, right? Mm-hmm. It goes boom. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, Mark F says the genius of this episode, I thought was in Villigan is writers knowing what to show and what not to show. Amen. Yeah. A lot of things happened that in this point in the story kind of had to happen for them not to happen with a stretched imagination. Giving last weekend's ending, Hank pretty much had to die. A clean escape for Jesse would have been unrealistic. And sooner or later, we knew that Walt Jr. would have to find out the truth about his father. Yeah. But you don't see any of those things happen. Just when you think the Villigan and the company have written themselves into a predictable corner, they do that cool run-up-the-wall backflip thing and tap you on the shoulder from behind. The obvious bits are interesting because you know they're coming, so they skip right to them, pass them through the reactions and the consequences. By contrast, those bits that were not obvious, expected, or inevitable are clearly shown and with searing intensity. The knife fight between Walt and Skyler, Walt Jr. turning on his father, Marie's realization that Hank is dead, the abduction of Holly, Jesse's tortured, tethered walk along the lab. We're not spared a second of those images. That's true. Yeah, what did you think about them not showing Walt Jr. being told about his father? I liked it for this very same reason. It kept do, things I, flowing I, very yeah, well. Yeah, do I, I need to see another fucking recap of Walt's crimes? No. Yeah, maybe in like season two, a slow scene like that would have been warranted. But three episodes Coming back from just the to end, see his reaction, that that is kind of brilliant in the uh, Breaking Bad 
uh, a chemistry statement because it's a reaction. It's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Chemically. Um, Alicia G says, is my feeling that the Heisenberg character is going to take on a life of his own and become a legend? The complicating matters is that no one will really be sure who Heisenberg is. These are there are two confession tapes implicating two different men, both of whom have disappeared. Meanwhile, the blue meth is still turning up. I wouldn't be surprised if creepy, empty Todd doesn't want to become Walt. The more I think about it, the more it seems like a Frankenstein story with poor tortured Jesse as a faithful Igor. So Walt hmm. goes to New Hampshire and a story of Heisenberg, a brilliant and ruthless meth cook, makes national news. He realizes that this is gray matter all over again. He did brilliant chemistry, quit and took a lump sum payout, the bear, the one barrel, and now has to live in obscurity while others reap in billions. Just like when Hank thought Gale was Heisenberg, Walt will not be able to buy lesser mortals getting credit for his work, and that will be his undoing. I think this is the core of the character. He is unable to assert himself effectively in the real world, world so on the inside he's in rage, and that rage takes over. Solid. The only thing I don't like about it is it doesn't seem like that's his tone when he came come back when he comes back as mr lambert i i do agree with that and we've seen him walt, leaving we've seen like we've it. seen walt in smug aggrieved mode mm-hmm. um when he's talking to gretchen at gray matter when he's talking to hank about gail being heisenberg yeah that wasn't mr lambert i don't think i'm with you there but i also do agree that there is this core to who walter white and heisenberg are uh Yep. That revolves around his ego. And it's tough for him to let that go. But maybe he finally has. I don't know. Last email till the spoiler section. Lauren G says, I live in Albuquerque, so I visited basically every Breaking Bad filming location at one point or another. But until last, man, how cool would that be? That'd be freaking awesome. Check this out. Last weekend, I've never made the trip out to the Tahajali location from the first cook and now Hank's death. After seeing last week's episode, me and some friends decided that we couldn't wait any longer. So we set out to try to locate the exact spot from the shoot. After some looking, we were able to find it. But not only did we see the location, we found a a ton of the leftover bullet casings and shotgun shells from the scene. (laughs) There's also smashed taillights, glass, and a little special effect things that they put in the dirt to make it look like it's exploding. Not sure what they're called. I believe they're called squibs. I think so. Yeah. I don't think they've, uh, I've ever geeked out more in my life. Best breaking bad locations I've visited yet. Tio's ramshackle house comes in a close second. Oh, please tell me that you took your GPS and dug at those coordinates. Oh, that's a good point there, Laura. Please tell me you did that. (laughs) Um, she also offers that wherever out in Albuquerque that she'll take us on a tour of the locations. And that sounds like something we have to fucking do. I'm totally taking her up on that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure when and where, but it will be, I know where it'll be in Albuquerque. (laughs) I just don't know when (laughs) other parts of the space time continuum. We're not so sure about, I'm kind of, kind of not disappointed, but puzzled that Villigan didn't clean up after himself. Oh Yeah. So, Captain Planet, speaking of karma, buddy, <laughs> the powers want to combine and turn you into a tree or something. Um, that's it. Outro, breaking good at baldmove.com is how you can continue with the email onslaught. Follow our live Facebooks at facebook.com slash baldmove and stay up to date with all of our latest doings. And you can do the same at Twitter at baldmove.com where Jim holds down the fort. We've got very small spoiler section this week. Uh, the critics aren't getting any previews. <laughs> it's on Serves lockdown. Them right. Suck at seven wall. <laughs> Write those instant takes and see how you like it. Yeah, that means their reviews are just as bad as ours now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's not true. 
I mean, just as good as ours. Uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. We are like super appreciative of all the downloads we've been getting and all the support you guys give us. Uh, we're only two episodes away from the end. I am the so end. sad. I am so sad. It's not a season end. It's a series end. It's bad, and there's never going to be any more. There's a Better Call Saul, and it's going to be, even if it's brilliant, a poor substitute. And I can't imagine a better show coming on the air. I feel like the end of my TV-watching era is happening right now. Well, like the golden there's a lot of good stuff, man. There's a lot of good stuff. Mad in Men fact, is still on for another season. True. In fact, the one thing that's going to keep, uh, that's going to make it go down a little bit less bitter is... Um, and we know Walking Dead's coming back, number one. But number two, Boardwalk Empire is fucking fantastic. This season right. is shaping up to be incredible. And it's it's just, it's good. It's Al Capone's Rise of Power. It's Chalky White, played by uh, Michael T. Williams. Uh, Will- Wait, shit. I think it's Michael T. Williams. Michael T. Williams? Who is that? Um, I've that's, never heard of him. It's the guy who plays Omar from The Wire. Oh, okay. Uh, Michael K. Williams. Okay. Um, and he is just such the man. It's it's just incredible. Richard Harrow, I, I can't get enough of it. Um, there's lots of good TV out there. And maybe not there as is, but good not as Breaking this good, Bad. Man. I'm, I'm going to ask you at the end of this series, assuming it holds its quality, what you think about it as compared to other series. And uh, I expect right. you to give the right answer, sir. <laughs> well, we will see. <laughs> I'll remind you that Breaking Bad wasn't always Breaking Bad either. So there's some shows that are freshman, sophomore, yes. junior that might be making the leap. And I think uh, Boardwalk might be one of them. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, yeah. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back again next week with our instant take right after the episode airs. So join us for that. And if you don't want to stick around for the spoilers, we'll see you then. Uh, if you do stick around for the spoilers after the music, we'll see you in a couple of minutes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. <laughs> Mispronouncing my name again. And we're back with the spoiler section. Do we have any emails or... Do we, we do have one. I was talking about the preview because it's it's Walt talking to Saul. Now I'm I'm assuming from what we know from the cleaners that this is going to be from a flashback to where Walt is having Saul make the arrangements for him. Okay, is it going to be from Crawl Space? You think? No, but I do think that because because once he goes into Disappear, I don't think he has any more contact with Saul. Okay. So I think he's going to somehow work out a deal with Saul that he finds out the details about the uncle's anarchy and then gets in contact with him. And when he knows enough to alert him, that's my speculation of how the next episode is going to go. All right. Yeah. I mean, he has to know something about the uncle's of anarchy uh, before he goes back to find them, out. Right? Or maybe he, maybe he uses uh Hule's performance as uh like, you know, he better do his damnedest to get him information on the uncle's anarchy or he's going to come back for Huel. <laughs> As a way to motivate Huel, not Saul. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Okay. Um, only spoiler email we got is Isaac K. said, remember a while ago hearing a Breaking Bad podcast where they talked about filming the last few episodes. The director of the upcoming Ozymandias, Ozymandias 
Ryan Johnson, I believe, said that they shot this episode out of order for technical reasons. Apparently, the rest of the series was shot first, and they saved a certain scene from 516 to be the last shot ever of Breaking Bad. This has to be the death of Jesse, right? Or at least the last time we see Jesse on screen, maybe? I don't see any other scenario that would cause shooting film as pricey as it is this far out of order. Your thoughts? I don't know hmm. if you're can I, I don't know what you're referring to number one but number two it's possible because i listened to an interview with Ryan, or ryan today where he said that the the flashback scene we saw was the literal last thing that they shot for breaking bad and that was for this episode huh. the other thing i'm thinking is you know, we've seen IMDb that they're bringing a lot of people back from the pilot in the first season. I, again, I don't know if that's going to be like Crazy Eight for Ozymandias, and we just don't nothing ever comes of it, mm-hmm. or if we're actually going to see some stuff come from these people's appearances. I, I mean, what do you think, Jim? I'm still very worried about the people who have been reported to be coming back. Um, I know a lot of people have said, hey, slow your roll on that. It, it might not be as bad as you think. Uh, and I'm not writing it off. I'm just saying I'm worried. As, but who knows after this Crazy 8 thing, right? I mean, he was reported to be in this episode, and he was not. So all those people could just be getting a casting credit at the end. I True. I really don't know. Lord of the Rings style. Yeah, I. I, I mean, so far... As far as if, filming, regardless something. of what you say about Breaking Bad, unless they okay. just completely fuck it up in the last two episodes, <laughs> yeah, this is going to go down as the best final episode as uh, season of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to believe that the Villigan will do something where they make like some big, you know, a bunch of smiling people or a bunch of ghosts from Villa, or from from yeah. Walt's past condemn him. I just that there's no way. That's just not the tone the show has ever taken. I just I just don't know what Aaron Paul means by people will be angry. The only way I can see that is if like Walt kills Jesse. Maybe the, I've got a prediction. Okay. I just came up with it. Mm-hmm. Right here, sitting on your goddamn couch. What if? Walt volunteers to take Jesse's place. He finds out. This is getting like Christ-like shit. He finds out that he's being held for these six months. Mm -hmm. He's somehow protected because the other thing we find out with Paul, with uh, Saul, is that he's very concerned of protecting his family. What if that's a flashback to Saul basically outlining the legal strategy he needs to do to clear Skyler. And that's, and we'll see that him employing that with the phone call that he made with the police listening. Okay. Okay. That would make sense. And then he finds out months later that Jesse was not killed. He's being held hostage and he's feeling bad because he's turned over to Mr. Walt leaf. So he goes back and volunteers to cook for, the uncle's anarchy in exchange for Jesse and takes the ricin so that he will die. So that Jesse will be free and he will die. And maybe he hmm. gives Jesse the machine gun as a choice. Like you, that you can either take your vengeance on me and the rest of these assholes, or you can, and, or I will give you all this money. And he gives Jesse the rest of his money mm-hmm. and says, you can start your own life. 
And then the choice that Jesse makes, mm. what if that's what people pisses people off? I don't see I I don't know. Personally, I wouldn't be pissed about that ending. Well, what if Jesse blows Wall away? <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck you, that offer's not good enough. Blame. I, I mean I that's understandable. It yeah, yeah, spending six months as a captive meth cooker is uh, possibly enough to do that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm. It's so hard to speculate about this stuff, even only two episodes out. Yeah. I feel like there has to be a confrontation um, between at least Walt and the Nazis. I just don't know if Jesse is going to be super involved in that. I mean, I guess he would have to be. If he goes there and Jesse is there cooking, he's going to see him. And this Jane thing might come back to haunt him once again. So maybe he does blow him away. Maybe he's like, yeah, I would take that offer if you hadn't killed Jane and told me about it. Bitch. And then he blows him away. It's hard to say. I don't know. Indeed. Maybe he throws the ricin in a batch of blue uh, in order to poison the legacy of the blue. I don't think Jesse, the Nazis Je- own it. That's not Jesse's style. No, no, no. I mean, Walt. He's got the rest. Oh. He goes back. He releases Jesse. I don't think that's Walt style either. That's true. Indiscriminately that's his kill legacy as well. thousands of people. Ah, uh, no very doubt. true. Okay. Well, then I have no fucking idea. And, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm spent. I think we should call this a cast. All right. Let's do it. We're almost two hours. Uh, that's, that's probably good enough, I hope. Yep. I See you next week. And the people. See you guys. Bye.